0: Hello and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Alan Scott. I've said it before and I'll say it again, I love talking with comics. Now, I'm biased because I am a comic, but still, conversations with stand-up comics just have a different energy to them, you know, a different flow. And today's chat has all of that fabulous energy and so much more. Today, Leslie Jones from SNL, you know and love. She joins me to talk about her new book, Leslie fucking Jones. Now, no bleeps this episode. This episode has so many F-bombs. And I don't know about you, but frankly, right now, in this moment, in this world, everything that's going on, I need F-bombs. I need all of the F-bombs. And Leslie is the perfect person to drop an F-bomb with because it comes So naturally to her, and that's partly because of the life she's lived. Like, she's earned the right to say, I'm Leslie fucking Jones, goddammit. There are a lot of celebrity memoirs out right now. I mean, hi Britney Spears, and also hi Jada Pinkett Smith. Also, stop talking Jada Pinkett Smith. Sorry, okay. But I urge you to give Leslie's memoir a chance. It's not a tell-all. It's not your standard celebrity memoir either. It's honestly... A real study in how someone can go through some truly horrible things and, in an unconventional way, come out on top. The path Leslie Jones took to fame wasn't a direct one, and it didn't happen in a way that we, as a viewing public, have ever seen before. An example of this is when she joined Saturday Night Live. Most performers who make it on SNL are in their late 20s, maybe early 30s at most. Not Leslie. She was 47 years old, becoming the oldest person to join the show as a cast member. That's just wild and really shows how much of a force Leslie Jones really is. Of course, since then, we all know how talented she is, but what you don't know is some of her backstory, the life she lived, and that life that made her this funny person that she became. That's where the memoir comes in. It's a meditation on trauma. It's an outlook on life that we need to hear right now. It's a lesson in how to make the most of things while also being okay with the struggle to getting there. I mean... Honestly, it's just so, so, so good. And I really think you're going to love the chat, but I also think you're going to love the book. And I hope it makes you just say fuck a lot. I mean, we need to say fuck right now a lot. I'm sorry. I had No bleeps this episode. So if the kids are listening, I'm sorry. You should probably turn off now. You probably should have turned off at the beginning, to be honest. Anyway, go on and grab a snack because I'll be right back with Leslie Jones. Ah. <sighs> The book is fantastic. It was so, really? it really is. It was so not what I expected. I have to admit. Really? Yeah, because I knew it was going to be funny. I knew, you know, I expected those things, but I was expecting kind of like, not like simple, but like a, like a Hollywood type memoir, but it really yeah. is more like a meditation on sort of like a truly personal growth that you had. And it really felt like a meditation in a lot of ways. I wanted to know if that was intentional for you.
1: No, it's really weird uh, when people say that. I just was really just telling the story. Like, I, I, when everybody tells me about other people's books and stuff, I go, "Really? Like, I just I don't understand how you just don't tell the story." My whole goal when I was telling the story was to let people know that. Um, how can I put it? Like, we look at stars and we look at entertainers as as these you know untouchable people or pedestal people and. They're just, we're just normal folks that got a different job. <laughs> and I I really wanted to show people that, hey, struggle is struggle no matter who the fuck you are. And, and, and you can get through it. You can get through all your bad shit and still have a good life, like, and still have a good attitude about it. I don't know if it was much about me becoming famous or a star or anything, because I know this sound crazy. Uh, please, you know, I know probably celebrities say this or whatever, but I don't. It's, I don't look at myself as a celebrity. I look at somebody that got a really good job and just really good at it. Yeah. Just really good at it. Whenever I, that fame shit come in, that always kind of be like, Ooh, okay, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. you know. So, so I really wanted to tell the story of like this is. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as just fucking wanting something and it happens. You have to work for it, yeah. and it's not going to always be easy. Mm-hmm. But enjoy the shit. Because it's your life.
0: Yeah, there really is. That's something that I always, I found, especially when I started doing stand up and I started meeting sort of like famous people. And the idea of fame when I was a kid is vastly different than what it is now. Vastly different. Than what it
1: really actually is, yes. right? Yes, yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, because exactly. I mean, I go, like I, I, I think of sometimes like a friend who's very successful, but they live in like, you know, the most uh, normal house here in Los Angeles that probably costs a million dollars. But fame really is sort of, There, there is sort of like a, like a, the idea of fame is so Uh different. I think when you either start working with people who are sort of famous or like that you become, it becomes that you're just good at your job or that you got lucky in some capacity or that like there's lots of different things. I wanted to know, like, how do you, when people approach you, how, how does it make you feel? Because it, it, I'm sure it's, it's different for every celebrity, but like, mm-hmm. how do people, how do you feel when they're approaching you about your work?
1: Oh, uh, you know, it just, I guess it depends. Mostly it's very positive. Mostly it's a lot of uh, people who come up and be like, oh, I'm really inspired by your story. Or, oh my God, you're my favorite one. Or I, I think um, I think with SNL and how I was, uh, you know, put on and stuff, mm-hmm. like with the fame and everything, uh, how can I put it? It's like, um, seeing me every day Now you think you know me Right You know Seeing me every Saturday And then Not like I'm not like in the news Like other people are a lot So when you do see me It's like Oh that's Leslie Jones Does that make sense So yeah. that's why I named the, the the book Leslie fucking Jones Because you get a whole bunch of people That come up to me and go Leslie fucking Jones Leslie fucking Jones Like you know what I'm saying So um, the, With the fame thing It's, it's just I just remember me and my friend, we would play PlayStation every day when we were like just struggling comics, and we would play PlayStation and we would talk about what we would do when we was famous and what we're gonna have and all of that. And when I did hit that fame part, I remember having a conversation with him going, It's nothing like we thought it was. It's yeah. it's it's completely not what we thought it was. It's it's not actually at all nothing. Yeah. It's 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 more pressure to me. Um, like I had to really get into the mode of like, I, I want to leave my house. I want to be able to leave the house. I want to be able to go to the gym. I want to be able to do, I don't want to be where I'm somewhere and get swarmed by people or get, okay. does that make sense? Yeah. So you, you have to make yourself, I cannot, I don't know how to put it. senior Hall did it best. senior Hall and Magic Johnson are really good at it. Yeah. Like they're they're <laughs> at the Starbucks. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You'll yeah. see them at the Ralphs. Yeah. And like you yeah. make yourself, normal part of the, the, the com- you know what i'm saying yeah. a normal just it's hard though yeah like i that. can see how people can get caught up in in the shit mm-hmm. i can see how people can be manipulated to think that they're the shit too yes because there's engines in this business that do that like you know you got the agents you got the pr people you got these people that are doing a certain type of kiss ass that is like you know, I had to like really put my people on blast. Like, um, you could do that to the rest of the motherfuckers that need that shit. I don't need that shit. Don't do that to me. I like truth. Yeah. If I'm fucking up, if I'm not doing good, I want to know. Do not kiss my ass. I don't like that. Yeah. And my oh, the people that are around me, my family, and the, my glam team, and my, they know they know that no one fucks around like that because we have for for uh, the for the simple reason is what I want to put out. Yeah. If that makes any sense.
0: No, it does. It.
1: Ha- it has to be true to the core, man, you know, no matter how fucking bad it is or embarrassing or whatever. That's how you say, outro. when tr- when Twitter first started, I remember when Twitter, I remember this, I remember this so clearly because I remember doing this account and I said to myself, don't put no stupid shit on here. Mm-hmm. Don't do stupid shit on here. Mm-hmm. MySpace was fun, whatever. Yeah. You know, nobody can figure out MySpace right now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but if they could figure out when it was going, you know, you had to get the professionals to fix your page. But <laughs> <laughs> with Twitter,
0: to top eight. <laughs> with
1: tw- it was one of those things that, yeah. like, when the, you remember when Kevin Hart got in trouble, yeah. I remember sending my assistant going to look at my page. I was like, oh, shit, please go back and see if I said anything crazy. And she said, all your shit was your gigs yeah. and food you ate. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> She was like great. She was like, yeah, yeah man. All he was are I'm at the comic store this week. I'm at the comedy store this week. Oh, look what I ate this week. Yeah. You know, I was like, great. <laughs>
0: I'm <woo>. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's something that also like when you become famous, I mean, one of the things that I think is so interesting about you, I mean, I've known your story and I've been an admirer of yours for a long time, but like the trauma is needed for comedy in a lot of ways. And you Sometimes, and I yeah. I I think I think a lot of times that great comics come from trauma sometimes. And, and you obviously are an example of that just because of everything you've gotten over in your life and you write about it in the book, but you don't, what I think is so interesting is you write about it in the book, but you don't harp on it. It's not like you're focusing on it as the subject of the book because you are the subject of the book. And I want to know if, if you you're in a good spot now, but was it difficult navigating some of these older stories that, I mean, had me crying. I mean, some of them are so emotional.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that when we was writing this book, I was more of like, I think it was there were some times where I was like, God damn, I made it through that. <laughs> <laughs> God, shit, how did I make it through that? How did? Oh shit! Like some stuff, I was like, Oh wow, bitch, you really are strong. Wow, that that's I I, I remember one time we at uh, uh, one section we was writing about, and I was like. I started crying cause I, I was crying for the person then I was like, mm. Oh God, let me cry for her. Like yeah. Jesus. Cause I wasn't crying when it was happening to me I, because I was going through it. But I was like, fuck bitch. How did you get through that? Yeah, Like you are crazy strong. Like how the fuck did you do that? But it was very important for me to, um, I, how can I put it? Sometimes people wear their scars as their uniform. Yes. And they're not supposed to do that. Um, Trauma, and and I will tell you this, I will start here. Not every comic has to go through trauma to be funny. You just can be funny. You really do. And a lot of comics make that mistake in thinking that they need to go through something hard Mm -hmm. uh, to be funny. Life is hard. Just your life, period, is hard. Getting up every day, facing the day, that's some hard shit. So you don't have to make up trauma to fucking be funny. I I don't believe in that. And I've learned that from a lot of comics that, are just normal people that had normal life and funny, but you do meet the comics that's been through shit too. I always want to tell people, stop wearing your scars as your uniform and use them as your weapon.
0: Mm. If,
1: if that makes any sense. It's like, how can I put this? Like I put the abuse in the book for the simple fact to tell the story, but that's not who I am as a person. It's something that happened to me. Yeah. Does that makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't. It didn't make who I was. It's. It's just like I slammed my foot up against the door. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was abused, but I'm not going to walk in the room and go, "Yeah, this is the do do do." You know, some yeah. people do that, yeah. and that's how you start the conversation. You want people to look at you, and I want people just to look at me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That's like total sense. We can talk about our lives without it being uh, taking over our life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I, I really believe that my, my parents would have been that way. Like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is not, this is something that happened to you. I was very lucky to know in my head that this wasn't because of me. It yeah. didn't happen because of me. This wasn't my fault. It was a disgusting person yes. who did. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it didn't have shit to do with me. That was on him. Mm-hmm. And I was part of his fucked up shit. Does that make sense? So yeah. I can't live the rest of my life. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to go through their shit like this that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is this is how i did
0: yeah you did you, know? you wrote something in the book that really hit me the, a story about um bombing in front of jamie fox and jamie fox telling you to early in your career or very early and saying to mm-hmm. stop and live a little bit and i remember when you when i first did that show that we both were on with you did a drop buy-in and a year or two after that i i I'm fine now, but I got cancer and I got chemo and I was really kind of like, I was kind of over stand up in a lot of ways. And I saw you excel on SNL at the age that you were excelling. And I just thought like, I don't have to do things the way everyone is telling me to do things. And there's no timeline in which I have to do these things. I have to live a little bit to be able to find the funny in what I want to find. And you write about that in the book with about, about Jamie Foxx and that bombing situation and how you had to go off and live. And That hit me so hard because it's so, so true. I wanted to know how, how did, how important was it for you to take that time to actually live?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I was 18 when I was talking to Jamie, I was like a a child Mm -hmm. and, and he was like, you, he was like, you just young, you don't got shit to talk about. You don't have anything to talk about. You think you have stuff to talk about, but you don't. And he's like, and the stuff you want to talk about, you're not talented enough to do that joke yet. So, you know, go have some experience. Go ahead. And, and it, it made so much sense to me because I was like, yeah, how else am I going to have jokes if I don't go live life? So, it was easy because at that time when I was trying to get into comedy, you know, there was a lot of other shit going on. I wasn't really in a place where I could, I mean, I was living with my boyfriend I think at the time and, um, you know, I think I was working. I don't, I don't, I don't think I had my shit together. So, yeah, it was easy for me to go, okay, Let's go get a job. Let's try to figure out this step by step. Because the promise that I made to myself in comedy, I don't know if many comics do this, but when I first knew I wanted to be a comic, I remember making this praying to God and saying, I don't want to be a shit comic. I want to be a good comic. So if I'm going to because I love this, this I love comedy and I don't want to do it bad. So if I'm going to be a bad comic, just make me be something else like, you know, a club owner or a promoter or or whatever, I can do whatever. I said, but if I'm gonna be a comic, please make sure that I'm a good ass comic. And you have to go through stuff. You have to, li- like you said, live life. You have to do jobs, you have to get fired. You have to yeah. break, get your heart broken, break hard. You have to go through shit. Like- and he was right, by the time, after six years, man, I had so much fucking material, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah.
0: Yeah, and then of course, I mean, when you got on SNL, it was such a, I mean, it was, it was not the, the traditional way most people get on SNL at the age or place in their career or anything. It was so unique. And were you aware when you got on SNL or when you were auditioning, I suppose that you were in a unique place that, that the, the others weren't like you sitting by you in the audition room? <laughs>
1: Well, I've been like that always, homie. I'm going to be honest with you. Even when I started comedy, I felt like I was different than anybody that was going on stage because I was really going on stage and becoming uh, passionately and, and from my heart performing. And well, while people was just really just trying to entertain, I was definitely different than any female already from the beginning of my career, I feel like. And uh, when I went to SNL, I had been doing comedy so long I, I I already knew I was the best person in there. I already, yeah. Like I, I'm not trying to be cocky or anything. It's just more of like a being a doctor. Like when you go to a doctor, you don't want your doctor to walk in there. You want your doctor walking there and go, "Yeah, I'm the best." We will, whoop. this yeah. is what we gonna do. This is the treatment. We will, whoop. and we gonna have you this, this, and this. You don't want your doctor coming in going, "Ah, <laughs> I'm kind of good." Um, <laughs> people say that um, yeah, you don't want that.
0: No, no, right, no.
1: So. When I'm, by that time, I'm a doctor now. I'm a full-fledged doctor. I've been to med school. I've been I've done intern work. So I'm sitting there with a bunch of fucking interns. Uh, to me, yeah. I'm like, this is, this is not funny as me. So, I and and you're right. I had no fucking clue what I was in. I just thought I'm a badass comic. Let's go. I don't know these motherfuckers. They gonna know me. That's I didn't know that there's a whole system You know what I'm saying? Oh, she's going to have to be this and she's going to have to. We're going to put her here. I didn't know none of that shit. I just knew I wanted to be funny and I wanted to be on this television show that everybody keeps saying is going to make me famous. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm actually glad I was very naive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: It helps. It helps sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Well, and then when you get on and, you know, you are in this, especially when you go from writer to being on air and you you're in this unique spot of fame, but you're also having to work with people who took a very different path to getting to that place than you did. And you know, you're in a, you're in kind of a league of your own in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. amongst everyone else on that show. And you, of course the spotlight for me is all of your weekend update stuff and everything that you were able to put what you do out there into the world. But was it difficult when you started to be on air more to find your voice amongst sort of the others?
1: Yeah, because like, again, like when I don't don't know if you saw the thing with me and uh, Dana Carvey and stuff, we was talking about how SNL is. It's like what they do is they find out what it is that you can do and how they can use it in the scheme of everything and which sometimes uh, can it becomes um, like a factory, if if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like this person has this skill. We'll do this and we'll do this with her. So with me. You know, I think that the disadvantage of me coming in with these faces and this attitude and stuff that it it was taken upon it. I'm Leslie Jones now. Mm -hmm. So if Leslie Jones is in a sketch, she's probably going to take over the sketch, which I used to tell the writers, like, no, if you don't write it like that, I'm not going to do that. But what I didn't kind of understand, too, on the other side of that that even the little smallest nuances that I would do were big things. And I didn't understand that. Like I didn't understand that when I came into a sketch and if I make a face or if I say something, it is different and everybody's going to pay attention to me. I started noticing sometimes even too, when we would do sketches and they would put the camera on me, everybody would applaud and it was like, Oh fuck. Like, Oh shit. You are. So I, and in, in that when you're in it, you don't understand that, oh, why you can't just put me in the sketch? Oh, why you can't just do this? But I wasn't seeing how powerful I was. Yeah. You know, which they were. But which I would get very frustrated because it's like, okay, then show me how to be in it. Like, you know, I would tell them, like, show me, write me this way. I would, you know, I wanted to learn that. But SNL wasn't the place for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. SNL was um was the place that the catapult is a catapult. It's a catapult. So when I left there, I was able to do more stuff, you know what I'm saying? But at there, it kind of became like, I did become a character of myself.
0: Yeah. Well, and that also is interesting too, leaving. I mean, when you left SNL, was that scary for you at all? Like, I mean, that must be, it, you because you were in a unique place other than other people who leave SNL, because for many of them, right. you're right. It catapults their career, but they're starting in right. their 25. So like when they're leaving, they're 30 or something. You know what I mean? Whereas you're in a different place in your life. And I wanted to know what it was like for you to leave SNL.
1: I mean, dude, again, I have been through life. Mm-hmm. The SNL is a fucking job. Yeah. It's a job. You know, I worked at Roscoe's for four years i am gonna say that the rest of my life you know what I'm saying like <laughs> like and and this is what I was telling everybody I was like this is a great job I was like yeah but I got more things to do and I'm older so uh, if y'all are not gonna like really use my skills skills I gotta go and I just I remember telling Lauren, this is like you gotta let me go babe. you gotta let me go it's time for me to go but until I I, said, I need to go now before I can't leave mm-hmm does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I need to be able to leave. Yeah. I, I'm, I am. This was great. This is great that you have me in here. I'm a spirit. You got to let me go. What do it's, you think would make
0: you stay? Like what would make you, if you didn't leave then, what would, what would keep you there?
1: At that time? Nothing. Mm. Nothing. Because there, how can I put this? That is a machine that's already fixed the way that it is. It does not matter how wonderful and great and different I am. I'm not going to change the machine much. Yeah. I mean, I might change it for the way that they might look at black women now. They'll have more black women in there. But as far as like what they do, I don't think that my like I, I put it like this. Lauren told me one time I told him I was like, you know, how fucking talented I am. I'm Leslie Jones. I'm, I'm making a show. You know, he was like, you're Leslie Jones, but you're not SNL, yeah. And that's that's very much like like you're not the Temptations. Don't nobody come and see you, Otis. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah. Yeah. real talk, that's some real talk. They don't just come to see you. They come to see Keenan. They come to see you. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not SNL. Yeah. So, so when he told me that, and, and that was decision, that was the day that I was like, you're right. Absolutely. This is just another job that I came and I freelanced my services to you guys to use them for a little while. Now it's time for me to go. And this is what I told Lauren, too. I was like, I mean, cause Lauren did not want me to leave, but I, I knew he didn't want me to leave because he was scared that I was going to lose my fame. He was like, I'm going to go to California. They're going to have these meetings with you and they're not going to do nothing with you. And this is what I told him. I said, listen, just like when I came in here, I believe in myself. I believe in my talents. I believe that I'm funny. I believe, you know, that this is just part of my journey. This is not my journey. Mm-hmm. It's not my whole journey. So, um, know that you believe what you believe but i'm with me and i know who i am and i i believe i'm the shit. so
0: yeah yeah definitely what i I only have two more questions for you and uh, the 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 post snl time i think is also really fascinating because you really especially during covid you worked on yourself i mean you really you you talk about therapy and you talk about sort of just really becoming at peace with not only your past but also your present in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and what was the pandemic like for you, and did you find any good from that?
1: Well, first of all, the pandemic, I mean, I think I was going to therapy and all that before, way before that. I was doing therapy and stuff, but, you know, SNL, you need a therapist while you had at SNL. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was already going to therapy. But the pandemic, okay, see, this is what people don't really know. Like, I people think I'm an extrovert, but I am not. I am yeah. a true introvert. And people need to know what that means. See, introvert means... That you get energy by being by yourself. Extroverts get energy by being around people, the people that they love. That's how they get energy. Um, the pandemic was a dream for me. I love I loved that I did not have to fucking go outside. I loved that I could stay in my place. So for me, I loved it. Yeah. So, and, and it gave me time to really figure out also other talents that I had. Like, you know, the live tweeting was always a fun thing to do, but I didn't realize how much people depended on it Yeah, and how much people really paid attention to it. So I was just like, let's see if we could use this. So it was fun to find things to live tweet, you know, doing the news stuff, doing all of that. For me, the pandemic was just like a nice vacation. I, I don't think it did well for our whole nation.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, definitely not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know what I mean? But for me, I I love it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my last question for you is, I think back to what you were saying before about, you know, uh, sitting on the couch on PlayStation with your friend and just sort of talking about comedy and your career and like what you want to do and being famous someday and all of the things. What, what are you looking to do next now? Like what goals do you want to achieve next for yourself?
1: Um, oh, I want to, I, I was telling my manager, I was like, damn, I, that's a good question because I pretty much can probably do what I want if I really wanted to. Yeah. I, I, I do wish I was in my 30s so I could just do stunt movies and Marvel shit and all that. Not saying I couldn't do it now. Uh, but, you know, I think I want to be stationary. I want to be on a show. Mm. I just want to be on a show. I like The Daily Show. I like what I did there yeah. because I really want to help our nation that's that's really i kind of want to be an interpreter for our nation right now because i feel like no one's speaking the nation's language Mm -hmm. does that make sense and and the nation needs to be fucking talked to like you know we need to be informed it's just like i know it's stupid it's like how you know obvious things but then when someone comes along and says it you go oh yeah that's that's that we need right now and um i kind of want to shoot towards that
0: Yeah. You know, I can so see that from you, from the book. I got this impression. I've always known you as such a great comedic voice and funny. And of course, you know, the center of attention in a room and all of that, but it really does feel like with the book and what you're saying and everything I got from it, that you're reaching a place of being sort of like a, like a truth teller in a way, like you're supposed to be that voice of, you know, explaining why things are this way because of the life you've lived, you know? And
1: think about it. Like, how many, and, and I hate to say this, but, you know, it's always some black woman that steps up and, and, and kind of puts everybody in check. Like, you know, we've had we've had Walona. We've had yeah. Florida. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We've had we had Weezy. We had you know, we've had Oprah. You know, we had people come and go. Yeah. And and I really feel like like you said, with the life that I've been through and the things like when I went to SNL and discovered politics, like I thought I knew politics, but I didn't know shit about politics until I started asking now. I was like, holy fuck, it's a whole fuckload up in there. Uh, uh, you know, find out about the electoral, all of this shit. Yeah. So imagine me finding this out, somebody who's really kind of educated against some people who don't know this. Like I've talked to people in Tennessee that thinks that everyone that lives in LA is on cocaine. Literally said to me, so how many, week, how many days a week do you do cocaine? Oh my and I was God. like, what?
0: I mean, Ozempic maybe, but not cocaine.
1: Cocaine, and he was like, "Yeah, everybody, everybody knows that everybody in, in LA is cokeheads." <laughs> no, what oh. the fuck news are you looking at? Like, do you yeah. get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. people really are being fed
0: bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need. I think I
1: want to be in that type of area.
0: I can see. That. I don't know. I can see it. I can t- fully see it, and I want it, and I subscribe to the church of it. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate. It's been great seeing you again, and it'll be hopefully you know I'll see you perform again live soon. Have a great rest of your day. You too, darling. You too. It felt good to say all those f bombs, right? It felt good. You needed it, right? Yeah, I needed it too. <laughs> and it was fun chatting with with Leslie too. I mean, oh, I love comics so so much, but I also hate them too. It's a toxic relationship. Anyway, let me know what you thought of today's episode. I'm H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. I hope you're able to leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And for the latest news and podcasts, go to newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And you know what to do. Subscribe to my newsletter for the culture. It comes out every Tuesday and Thursday. You can subscribe there at newsweek.com too. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day.